tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. Warning. If you are prone to get your feelings hurt and are a person that is serious and doesn't like to laugh, this pod is not for you. If you're looking for serious analysis, breakdowns, X's and O's, hate that the NBA has so much drama, this pod is not for you. If you're looking for something soothing, like ASMR, this pod is certainly not for you. On this episode of This League, we talk about why the Nets are so damn messy, how the 76ers are playing hungover Saturday rec ball, uh, why I was so, so privately wrong about Steph Curry, I mean everybody else was, and uh, we also talked to NFL insider Jay Glazer about scooping in the NFL, how it compares to scooping in the NBA, uh, and then we hit listener questions from my DMs. <laughs> I mean, that's a question we could probably ask every single day, right? Just take a little stroll down his Instagram, and you'll find yourself asking yourself the same question, I guess. Uh, the latest chapter has me very concerned. Very concerned about the organization, very concerned about Kyrie and Steve Nash. By now, I'm sure everybody knows that Kyrie is skipping games for personal reasons. He just didn't feel like playing. This is not Monte Ellis that was like trying to pretend that he injured himself playing pickup basketball, but really he crashed his moped. This is Kyrie just being like, you know, I didn't feel like it. I just, I don't know, wasn't my jam today. This is a marquee player that's sitting out for an indefinite period of time. I get that he's uh, like everybody right now. He's affected by the political events going on in D.C., and I get that. But the story, for sure, gets more spicy when Kyrie decides, like, I'm just not going to tell people that I'm not going to play. I'm going to show up for work, and I don't have anything to explain. I have nothing to say. I'm just going to go AWOL. That's that. He never, uh, he apparently never alerted his coach that he would not be playing. Which, being the Nets, Steve Nash decided to blow him up in the pressure. I haven't spoke to him yet. You know, I can't really comment because um, I haven't spoke to him and it's personal reasons. So it, it'd have to come to, from Kyrie, but I don't believe that to be the case. I don't know really where to begin on this. First, you obviously have Steve Nash, like clearly dry snitching, clearly. I mean, what can you really expect though when your marquee star is not telling you or answering your calls or your texts, and he's just not showing up for games. I get that. Uh, and on the other hand, Kyrie believes he's probably doing exactly the right thing. I have nothing to explain to anyone. You should know exactly why I'm sitting out. There's really nothing to say. Do you see the world burning right now? Do you see it? Do you need to know why I'm not playing games? Okay, good. But did Steve Nash really have to say, I don't know where he is right now? 
I haven't heard from him. Only the Nets could have that happen to them two weeks into the season. I think we have a dysfunctional organization on our hands. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. Let's rewind back to the interview that Katie and Kyrie did together on Katie's podcast on the 1st of October. I don't really see us having a head coach. You know what I mean? Like, I... Katie could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. Jacques Vaughn could do it one day. It could, it could be, it can be, it's a collaborative effort, I think, on our part. Oh, no, no. Okay, so you know who might, Marty, take a little exception to that? Who? Steve. Steve Nash. Nash, the guy who is paid handsomely to be that head coach. The guy that if the team loses, is going to be fired. There's no one else on that team that is going to be on the chopping block if they lose, then he is. So, I mean, what can you expect when one of your star players says you're not the head coach and then the other star player agrees with them? Listen, you don't think I'm the head coach? You don't think I'm the head coach? All right, not, don't call me back, motherfucker. We'll see what happens. I'm going to sewer you in the press and say, I don't know where Kyrie is. Maybe you should ask one of the other 20 head coaches that we have on the roster, where he is. Ask Karis LeVert, the other head coach, where Kyrie be. <laughs> I would have loved to see Steve Nash's live reaction to that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what did he just say? Um. <laughs> what? Ex- excuse me? Kyrie also said in that famous in- or infamous interview, uh, we don't need someone coming in here, making us run drills, changing our offense, changing our flow. We got things handled here. And you know what? Kyrie was right. Because now, just like last year, the Nets are just losing games while Kyrie and KD are still sitting on the sidelines. So he's right about that. Brooklyn's 500, less than, less than 500, because KD came back last night and then Brooklyn lost by 13 to the Oklahoma City Thunder at home. That is fucking disgusting. Wow, Kyrie is just still utilizing the we have unlimited PTO policy. Just $500,000 per game, just boom. Just still collecting checks, not playing games. This is going to be a major topic of conversation. Something I am for sure keeping my eye on. The relationship between Steve Nash and Kyrie is, I'm saying it now, it is sus. It is super sus. Do you agree, Marty? I do completely. And uh, as someone who Steve Nash is my favorite athlete and Kyrie Irving right now, one of my least favorite athletes, it's maybe the easiest sports beef I've ever had to pick a side on. Yeah, but you have to admit, the easiest thing that you could say as a head coach is, yeah, me and Kyrie have worked this out. Yeah. He's handling some things. He's some, some personal issues. We'll get back to you when he's coming back. He's got some things to handle. You say, I haven't spoken to <laughs> I haven't him. I spoken to him. That is, that is bus tossing. That is public bus tossing. The most, you know those people, the sneaky, sneaky, like, I'm going to get back to you, uh, back at you, like, six months later, passive aggressively. I got you. I'm going to remember. That's Steve Nash. Oh, yes. The big news, uh, shockingly, in the NBA right now. I'm surprised. I am stunned that this is a problem. Yeah, who saw this? COVID. COVID is now wreaking havoc. In the NBA. Yeah, I mean, uh, Heat Celtics was canceled yesterday, which uh, was unfortunate for me. I uh, had a nice teaser with the Heat, but... I also had a teaser with the Heat, oh. and that 
game was postponed. So now all the money that I had is, I don't know what happens, actually. It's in limbo. Yeah. So let's recap what's happening. The league, big money grab league. All leagues are money grab leagues. But the league decided we are going to rush to get the league back on Christmas Day, marquee game day. Just so happens that Christmas is a big-time family holiday, people (laughs) gathering in small and large groups alike. And wouldn't you know, just in the incubation period uh, ending, we have an outbreak on our hands, not just in our country, but in the NBA as a whole. And now we have games being postponed. Legitimately now, players are getting tested. The the players are testing positive for COVID (laughs) in-game. Folks, sharing the ball, sweating on one another, breathing their little COVID juice on each other, face and faces all while having COVID. There, the 76ers had eight players on their roster. Yeah, and they got steamrolled by Fucking Denver. smoked. They really had seven guys, and then there was this, like, scrub that was sitting there just so they didn't forfeit. Right. It was giving me serious, like, Saturday morning rec ball vibes. Where where you come in, gym. yeah, it's empty gym. You expect the crew to be there. You're there. You f- you like forwent? Is that a word? You forwent <laughs> going out because you're a responsible hooper. All of your teammates did not. They all went out hard, and then they somehow text you like ten minutes before, bro, not gonna make it. And you've got six dudes and girls right playing against a stacked team from the other side of the town. And they blow you out and you are gassed. You're ready to just fucking puke all over yourself. <laughs> but this was not rec ball. This was the Philadelphia 76ers, an NBA team. That is just crazy. Teams just legit missing half their roster. And Adam Silver's like, you're elite athletes. Just drink some Gatorade. Keep going. You can do this. Just more minutes. You can play more minutes. It's fine. It seems like just yesterday, one dude testing positive prior to the game starting could shut the entire league down and then be the catalyst for the national shutdown of sports. Yeah, man. Poor Rudy. Poor Rudy Gobert. Fuck Rudy Gobert. (laughs) What? Poor Rudy Gobert. That man said COVID was fake. That man said COVID was a hoax, and then he put his hands and feet and breath all on a million microphones, and then he got COVID, and we didn't get the final four probably because of Rudy Gobert. And then also, by the way, in hindsight, he said he regretted that decision. (laughs) (laughs) What else, Rudy, would your viewpoint be? What, you wish that there were more mics on the podium to touch? Is that really what you could possibly say? No wonder Donovan Mitchell was like, get this dumb motherfucker out of here. This dumb French fuck. This COVID truther shutting down our league, messing with my money. Like Michael Porter Jr., who also said COVID was a hoax. Out and definitely dumb idiot. (laughs) Don't even get me started on these dudes. It's like Kyrie Irving and his conspiracy theories. Folks, this is not a conspiracy. This is what we're dealing with. What a world. You're now to the point where the NBA has redefined all of their rules. Close contact is now, I don't even know what. I, I'm not sure. You can play in games 
against someone who has COVID is now no longer close contact, whatever, okay. And we're to the point where teams are missing damn near half their roster and for weeks at a time, and no one seems to blink. What a time to be alive. You know, I got lit up. Multiple people in my DMs like, two segments for Colin Sexton? Not a goddamn word about <laughs> Steph Curry. And you know, that's fair. So I'm giving Steph Curry an entire segment breaking down his greatness. The haters, the haters are strong for Steph Curry. They are. They really are. They, there's nothing that he can do right for some people. Lots of hate. Yeah, I mean, people say he's an overrated system guy, like not tough, bad defender, you know, all that, all that noise. Do you agree with that? I don't. I never have. I've, I've been a big Steph fan for a while. Things got extremely slanderous when Steph, you know, yet Steph hasn't been himself for a little bit. So things got extremely slanderous, we'll say recently. And you know what? I, um, I'm going to admit something to you. I haven't told people this publicly. I have told people this privately. I was one of those people. No. I was one of those people slandering Steph Curry. I I thought maybe he needed Clay and KD to open up his game. I thought maybe he made too many bad decisions to be a leader. Chucking from three from fucking three seconds in the shot clock a million times any time he wanted. Being real casual with his passes, just sloppy. At the end of games, yeah. Slo- well, any time. Yeah. Any time. Sloppy with the rock. I thought, does Steph Curry have the toughness to be the one to lead a team? Yeah, I was shit-talking Steph. I just think, yeah, I just think that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, games like last night were why? Uh-huh. Two of 16 shooting. Yeah. Historically bad night. Just poor. Just terrible. When he looks bad, let's just say this. When he looks bad, he looks really bad. Yeah. But it wasn't even just me, though. You had you had NBA champions, NBA champions like Channing Frye, saying the same damn thing. They were standing for LeBron James. They were saying, like, oh, look at this roster. Oh, the J- LeBron James. He All he had was Eric Snow and this and that. And Steph Curry's had three all-stars on his team. Really, what has he accomplished on his own? And then Steph Curry heard all of that. He was listening for sure. Took all of that as fuel, as rocket fuel. And he put up 62 against my Portland Trailblazers, which was regrettable. Very sad. <laughs> then he put up, what, 38 against the I Clippers? Think it was eight, yeah. 38 against the Clippers. He's taking shit personal. He even said it. He said, cue the Jordan meme. I took that shit extremely personal. He, I mean, there's no, what do you, I mean, he took it personal. He He did. did. He did. Doing things he's maybe perhaps never done in his entire career, except for when he was at Davidson, also being slandered when he didn't get offers to schools that he should have gotten offered to. He's now in that mode. Contrary to popular belief, we're not a podcast that breaks down X's and O's. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm here to make jokes. Okay, so I don't need to tell you about that crazy left-handed cross-court pass that Steph Curry made uh, to like I forget who in the corner on a back screen with just incredible range. Okay, we're not doing that, right? What we're going to talk about is why me and the rest of the world, except for you apparently, Marty, are so fucking dumb. (laughs) Our brains do something 
our brains do something that's crazy. It's the guys in lab coats. They call that a, they call it recency bias. They call it a prisoner of the moment. Um, whatever you want to call it, it means we place greater importance on the things that have happened most recently, right? So as soon as someone hits the struggle bus, doesn't matter what they've done in the past. Two-time MVP. Five consecutive finals appearances. One bad stretch. Five games Steph Curry played last year. Five. Broke his hand. He was with a bunch of random dudes, a jambalaya of randoms that he had never played before with. And it's like Steph Curry is god-awful. He is just trash now. What happened? Nine months off. More, like, legitimately, probably, we could call it more than nine months off. I would say that those five games aren't enough to really get into a rhythm. So the last time that Steph Curry played a game in rhythm was the NBA Finals against the Raptors. Okay, so it's been a while, and he's coming back. He's trying to get his mojo, has his little slump, and it's like Steph Curry is garbage. He is so overrated. He needs three all-stars in order to be good. What happened? All he does is chuck from 35 feet. He's not an all-star. Well, I think people believe he's an all-star, but they don't think he's as good as he is. The truth is, Steph Curry is him. He is him. He is going to get his. He is going to get off. He is one of the greatest shooters we have ever seen. And now he's probably going to be better because he doesn't have those collection of stars that he needs to share the ball with anymore. He can do anything he wants now. And you know, just like in his Davidson days, he has to shoulder the burden or this team will not win. So we get to see Steph Curry be Superman goddamn near every night. That is exciting. Even on an off-shooting night like last night, led the the team in rebounds. So much more fun than seeing him with Steph, seeing Steph with Clay and KD and Draymond to their peak. I don't want to see a dynasty. I want to see a guy... Be Superman. So, on behalf of all of us dummies everywhere, I would like to say this. For those who want to see Steph be a human highlight reel and him probably get an MVP this year, Steph. He's a world-class NFL scooper and owner of Unbreakable Gym. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. I'm here right now at Unbreakable. We're, unfortunately, we're, we're closed down inside, so we, we got to adapt no matter what in these times. So we actually moved our gym to the parking lot. Just keep our health as well, baby. Parking lot pimping, as it were. Yeah, pimping, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) So I was doing some background research, and I came across this quote. The phone never stops. I've got to take every single call that comes in. I was on a date with a young lady last night, and I told her, these calls are going to come in, and I've got to take every single one. So my question is this. Is there elite enough vagina out there that you will pass on scoops for like uh, do not disturb scoops are off no scoop zone no well if, if something's coming in i mean i'm i, I deal in uh <clears throat> i'm an information broker and i don't decide when that is so you know i used to back in the day i'd, I'd uh <clears throat> there's one time i was and I finally had enough money to go to like a nice restaurant in New York. So the first 10 years of my career, I didn't have, I made 9,700 bucks a year. It was brutal. And uh, I finally had enough money. And I went out to this beautiful, like 
fancy restaurant in New York and I had my girlfriend at the time and a scoop came in. It's when the, the earpiece first came out. Remember the one that just hung? And I was like, oh my God, I got to take this call. So we got to act like we're snuggling and I'm whispering sweet nothings in your ear, but I'm actually taking a call about who the next coach of Washington will be. Yeah. So even if it was like Halle Berry or like some of these elite. She'll understand. She'll I got to be charming. I got to get them to understand. You know, it's, it's what I do. So Now it's ruined every relationship I've ever had. So let's put that point in also. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have a guy that I've been dating and he, his shit never stops. And it's just ding, 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 Friday night, 1130 PM. It's annoying. Yeah. Well, now, plus me, I'm out in LA. So I got some coaches who'll call, you know, I'm like, man, I'm like their therapist. So, you know, they're on the way to the office at six o'clock in the morning, their time it's three o'clock in the morning, my time. And they just want to talk. And like for also when you're getting scooped, it's not just, Hey, give me scoop. You build these relationships, you know? And so, yeah, it, it doesn't stop. You just, it definitely takes a certain type of young lady who can deal with it. How often have you had to multitask? You mentioned it a little bit. How often have you had to multitask scooping while loving? Oh my God. Um, probably the, one of the funniest was with deflate gate. Uh, I was in Arizona at the Super Bowl, And when my third source called to tell me uh, the NFL zoned in on, they have f film and they're zeroing in on, uh, was the locker room attendance, I think. Um, and the Patriots are flying in. That was the worst possible time for me to ever get a phone call, but I had to take the phone call. You have to more. <laughs> and we're talking about deflate gate. So it was, it was even worse. <laughs> I bet that was uncomfortable. And the, the girl I was with was like, you're, we're, we're, wait, what's happened? You're stopping because of what? What is this? And I was like, you know, the big story. She's like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, I'm trying to explain myself. And yeah, it was, uh, it, like I said, the, uh, the scoop business runs its own course. Uh, Mid-pump mid scoop. <laughs> <laughs> is scooping a passion or is it an addiction? That's a good question. I think you need to be passionate about, if you want to be great, you got to have some passion. And uh, I don't just want to be a somebody. So it's both. It's both. I've curbed the addiction throughout the years because it used to be, like I was the first one to do the insider stuff, minute by minute. It was me versus a guy named Len Pascarelli from ESPN.com. And then, you know, I think Clayton and Mort would chime in a little bit, but not much. It was just us. And we were grinding, grinding, grinding every second, every story, a fifth round pick signed, uh, a guard was traded, everything we were battling for. And that was started in 1999 when that whole internet thing came out. I think it's going to take off. I think the internet thing, it's going to work. Just, just a hint here. Um, and now they all do it, right? But at, over time, I said, okay, I kind of did that. It has really consumed my life. It is, a, it is an addiction. Um, and I want to have more in my life. So now I want to make sure that on Sundays, on Fox and Apple Sunday, when I say something, as crazy as it may sound, people go, okay, we can take it to the bank because Glazer said it. Because I, I care more about being right than I do about being first. Always have. Yeah. Is it a team sport or an individual sport? Individual for me. For the rest of them, I think it's probably a team that could work together. But I've always, I've always been a lone wolf when it comes to it. It's my relationships. Yeah. People get real salty when they get scooped on to they miss a scoop two minutes early or two minutes yeah. late. So they try to like link up and get that third source. Uh, yeah, I think they do. Again, for me, it's just my, you no, know, it's, it's always just been me and my contacts and my 
I call it my glazed mafia. Yeah, you for sure are in a mafia. You and you and Trey <laughs> are definitely in a mafia. Yep, no doubt. What, what's a what's a story that you sat on that you that ended up getting reported, but you weren't about to to publish or or break it because you felt like it was going to break loyalty? No, it's not so much that. It's a lot of times. Look, my job is to break stuff on Fox NFL Sunday. I don't work for Twitter, you know. And back when I was working at FoxSports.com, I'd break stuff by the minute. But now it's for Fox NFL Sunday or for time for Thursday. So I got to wait on stuff and hope it holds. Oh. And the stress of things holding. And there's been some times I've waited two weeks because I didn't have that third source. And big stories, huge stories. And then um, that that's what gets me. And you're like, oh, my God. You, know, you wake up every morning. You're like, is it out? Is it out? And all of a sudden, boom, it's out. And, you know, there's a lot that we all that we all know. But when you come out of left field with stories, that's what I love. Uh, but sometimes those stories that seem like I came out of left field on them, I've been working on them for two weeks. Bro, I mean, you talk about having anxiety and that shit must fuel the anxiety, yeah. right? Oh, it's terrible. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's, um, and the crazy thing too is the rush you get when you break a story. Like, look, I broke the other night about Des Bryant, right? Yeah. And it was in real time that he, his test was inconclusive. Then it was, he was pulled from the field and he got retested. As we were doing the game on Fox, right? We were doing pregame. Um, and it was crazy how it unfolded. And there was such a high for it, from it for about 45 minutes. And then you crash. It's like being a child star and everything's like, oh, your life is great. And then all of a sudden, man, you, you don't have that next role. So for us, uh, you just keep going after that high. But the high goes away really fast, especially nowadays. Where back in the day, you'd have a story. And that was it. Nowadays, everybody just jumps on and takes it all. Um, so that's why I even try to shift from minute by minute breaking news to more insidery stuff and, and more insight than you would and be more entertaining than, than any other place. How do you think that the NFL drama compares to the NBA drama in, in your line of work? Oh, NFL is the greatest reality show on the planet. Are you kidding me? I mean, how we had the lockout years ago, it was a lockout in the off season that led every sports newscast and every, Oh, it's not even close. That's, yeah, that led the first five stories. And then you got to, oh, baseball's opening or basketball's the player. I mean, it's just the NFL, is, it, it reigns supreme in that. Thank God. Yeah. It's, uh, you can tell that even though the NBA's offseason is, I think, more exciting because there's so much, you know, it's a player. A lot, a lot of league. action. Yeah, star-driven league versus, you know, the NFL is so much more team-oriented, I think. Yeah. But the NFL is, you know, 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you compare the difference between how news is broken in the two sports? I just see Woj everywhere, so, you know, I've known him for a while, and I, I just love how he does his job. You know, we're getting a world of trust, and again, he doesn't get stuff wrong, and he builds these relationships, and, and it's funny, because he and I used to shoot arrows all the time at ESPN, and like, for me, when I first started this, I would, I would pick a fight with ESPN when I felt they'd steal my stories, and people used to think I used to get so mad about it. I wasn't. It was just a good brand. It was David versus Goliath. They should whip me in everything they do. So every time they would take something I broke, I would just, I would try and make it a fight. If that's our, you know, our mentality. Um, and, you know, for Woj, it got him paid. Good for him. You know, he's known for being like this Don, this Don mafioso guy in, in the NBA soup land. Yeah. 
is there has there ever been any equivalent to that in the NFL where it's like you bring these scoops to me? Oh, I think we all have relationships like that. And it's like I've always told my guys, listen, it's gonna get out anyway. Might as well let me break it. Like, you know, I'd love I'd love to be the one that you come to. Uh, if it's going to get out in any way. So I think we all have kind of relationships like that. He just dominates that field. Yeah, he really does. Yeah, we kind of we kind of break up the pie a little bit more over here. For sure. Are you on, like, any um, scoop inner chat? Like, where it's, like, you and Woj no. and passing? No. no. Like I said, I'm, on, I'm my own lone wolf. And even, like, when I started covering the league, I the reason why my relationship with Stray is so close is I had, you know, I was still – I was – fighting on the side, right? And so I had more in common with the football players I was covering than my fellow media. And they used to kill Michael and I, kill us. Like they would just murder us for our, how close we were and how we're not supposed to be as close. And man, I'm, you know, again, I had more in common with the player than I, I do the, uh, my fellow reporter now. Um, as I've gotten older, it's probably changed a little bit, but I always have had kind of a different mentality. Yeah, I think that there are newsbreakers that don't really like, obviously, their peers having friendships with players. But at some point, you either get it from the agents or you're getting it from the players. And, it's kind yeah, of and then for them. those who say you're not objective, well, they're not objective when they write something bad about somebody who won't talk to them. You know, so it's – my job is to get the fans the best, most accurate information as fast as I can, stuff that they would not hear anywhere else. That's my job. That's what my loyalty lies to. What's the angriest someone's gotten, like either a family member or a spouse, about something that you've had to report? Stray and I almost fought in the locker room one time. Uh, that was a big one. Yeah, we had to get separated in there, and a bunch of guys had to jump in there. We had to get separated. Um, what was the story? Hell, I don't even remember. Something I had written, he got pissed off about. And then we kind of went at it, and we got separated. Uh, there's been a couple other guys, but for the most part, I've had, there's been a lot of respect. I, I've also, I've had, I'm a, I'm a lot calmer now. I used to be a lot, I had, I used to be a lot more, uh, itchy trigger finger. <laughs> I kind of like ready for looking for something. I'm kind of always looking for a fight. So, uh, yeah. now thank God I've grown up somewhat. Well, I mean, you've been with Fox now, how many years? 13, 16? No, 18. Well, 18. 17, it was 2004. Yeah. What's that? What's that equal? 17, so 17 or 18, yeah. 17, yeah, 17 years. 17, 18 years, yeah. And now you and Stray are, like, yeah. running the town. And now Tony Gonzalez, too. Yep, our little crew. And then, listen, Michael and I became friends our first week on the job ever, 1993. And when I didn't have enough money to go from New York to Giant Stadium and back every day because I yeah. didn't have enough money for bus fare, he drove me back in the city every single day, literally every day. So I own, like, 28 grand in Lincoln Tunnel fare. No, that's my guy. Me and Strayer have played a ton of golf together in L.A., um, and he talks he talks really highly of you. I mean, you guys are an interesting duo, though, because, like, you always talk about living in the gray, and he's basically Mr. Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. So, that you know, I got to kind of learn from that. But, um, yeah, I mean, living in the gray, I've always needed kind of that team, and guys like him have always been there for me. Like, for me, to get through my depression – having a team, which is why I'm here. Like, even though this place is closed, for me right there in a cage, like, I didn't have a lot of self-worth as a kid growing up. So in a cage is where I felt I belonged. And not even a win, to more take beatings in there. And for me, a team like, is what lifts like me up. Pain? I just felt I deserved it. 
I didn't really feel worthy of, of uh, yeah, I didn't really have a lot of self-worth. I felt like I deserved to kind of take beatings. And I wasn't raised like my parents didn't beat me or anything like that. I was just born with depression. Like, it's just how I, just how it is. And it's like, so for this team, they, they kind of lift me up. And that's where like with Stray and Tony and, and all these guys, they became this other team for me to, to help me through the gray. In the off season, when we don't have Fox NFL Sunday, I really struggle. It's really hard for me. And because every Sunday I have that, that crew and I don't get to see Michael anymore. I only get to see him on Sundays when he comes in. And then, you know, the other thing is being of service. And that's what we did. We started MVP out of here, our Emerging Vets and Players Foundation. That really gets me through the gray to see, to see some blues being of service to other people. And he's helped me along the way with that too. You're going to have to get a spot in New York in the Upper West Side to kick it with Straymore. Uh, we're gonna, no, I, why? He got freaking 19 levels at his place. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's fact. It's great when your friends make it. Just fly <laughs> on their planes, stay at their places. We're good. <laughs> that's fact. Drink their tequila. It's fantastic. That's all I got. Thank you so much for coming on. Jay Glazer on behalf of not only Unbreakable, but GNC now. It's a yep. huge partnership. Congratulations. Yes, uh-huh. make sure you guys go to GNC. We got amino acids, pre-workout drink, all your proteins, all banned substance-free. Obviously, we have to because of all the players we tra- and athletes we train there, but I'm really excited. And a portion of proceeds actually goes to, to our, our vets and players at, at MVP trying to build that, build that team back up again. Like, we're in five cities in five locations, and the number of success stories we've had of our veterans that we've helped pull up um, out of homelessness, out of suicide, out of um, just really bad situations in that transition – I'm really proud of, of the lives that we've saved and empowered. And uh, they keep empowering me also. So keep, you know, you're not, we're now expanding out our, our team to, uh, to be able to help, uh, you know, with this GNC deal to hopefully we can expand in other cities. You're doing God's work, Jay. Thanks for uh, the time, Thank you. Bro. Thank God. How about we open some deals? <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. I'm in. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, how do we got here? Uh, what's the most points you ever dropped in a game on someone? So this is this is how you know that like my ego is so big. It's my freshman year in high school, and I still remember this. Nineteen points. Your girl was throwing up buckets, and we're down three. There's like forty seconds left to go. Bringing up the rock. Shoot a three. In transition, get fouled. The girl and I are jawing back and forth. I think she pushes me. Technical foul. Four free throws in a row to seal the game. Ice water. (sighs) I'll never forget. It was, like, definitely my best game I've ever had. My mom still talks about it on holidays. Remember when you hit those four free throws in a row? You were ice cold then. What happened? Uh, All right. This is an interesting one. Uh, What are your thoughts on the Raptors playing in Tampa? And can you see this as an expansion city? What are the Raptors? Uh, what's the Raptors' record right now? Do they have two, Not, like two, two wins? Two and eight, something two like that. And I would say that's the Tampa effect. <laughs> I would say Tampa, and people are going to disagree about this. Tampa's not a good sports city. I don't think. I think it's a snowbird city. I think it's a city that most of the people there are remarking Bob Cousy's accomplishments, and they're not looking – to see Fred Van Fleet shoot threes all day from 37 feet. I'm not saying that the Raptors would ever move there. I just don't think it's a great NBA city. Yes, you've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, you've got the Lightning. I just don't think it works for the NBA 
I think especially you need to give a team back to Seattle before you do fucking anything anywhere else. Uh, I agree. Okay. Uh, you agree with that? I do. I mean, Tampa, they're winning right now, but no, they don't deserve an NBA franchise. They just don't. They just uh, don't. They just don't. Uh, this is a personal one. Uh, how many NBA players have you slept with? So this is a great story. So zero. So I got a, I went to college with this kid who ended up being in the front office of one of the NBA squads. And he calls me and he goes, hey, T, I know you're getting in the media. This is like when I was real baby in the media. And he's like, hey, I just want to let you know that if you fuck an NBA player, everyone's going to know. Not just every NBA player, but every person on the front office of all 30 teams is going to know. Why? Because these guys, they just like, of course, they want to talk about taking down a media hoe for sure, right? So that's like an extra little like pin in their leather jacket. So he tells me, if you want to get information from us, GMs, if you ever want to be a newsbreaker, you will be persona non grata. That was his word. And I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, that means no one is to fuck with you when it comes to legitimately taking you seriously because you are a hoe and not a professional. So I never did it. And uh, he told me a story about this media girl who's very prominent in the media. And the security guard of one of the NBA teams took her from one player's room to another player's room in the same night. And those guys were co-stars. They knew about it. She knew about it. And you can't unsee it once you've seen it. You know what I mean? You see them together. She interviews them. And it's like, oh, yeah, they fucked. Bad look. Super bad look. So I've never done it. Zero. All right. Uh, would you rather have a career uh, like Charles Barkley, uh, where you were a multi-time All-NBA, uh, but never won a championship, or be a role player like Ori and win seven-plus? Yeah, Robert Ori, he won like seven titles. Charles Barkley, zero. You know, you may not know this about me, Mikey, but I have a, a massive ego. Like crazy. I mean, here I'm in here in a podcast studio by my fucking self. So you know who it's going to be, right? Like... TK's no role player. I'm not hitting corner threes. I don't care how many fucking rings I get. I want to be transcendent pop culturally for the rest of my life like Charles Barkley. That is my goal, to continue to be relevant and in the headlines, causing drama with current NBA players with zero rings. Uh, do you consider Luka a top five player this year? <laughs> Bro, come on. That's that. We see what we see. What it is now. You know what it is, isn't it? It's the recency bias again. Yeah. People are now, people are now all in on Luca. And what I'm going to say is this: hard to be a top five player when everyone around you is not good. And that's what's happening on the Mavs. They're not going to be good. I'm sorry. They don't have more three and D help. KP is probably going to log forty games max. It's just not. No, no, he's not. He, I don't even think he's a top ten player right now. That's facts. He's very close, but he's not. He's right there. Yeah. It's funny to me every year, like, whatever team Josh Richardson goes to, everyone acts like he's going to improve their team so Thank much. God you said like, that. <laughs> Someone asked me that, too. They said, uh, now that the Mavs have improved their 3 and D. And I was like, is that a Josh Richardson comment? Because uh, he's, he's yeah, not I mean, 3 and D. He's, he's what you would hope to be 3 and D. But he is not good. Sorry, Josh Richardson. <laughs> much respect. Please subscribe. Uh <laughs> Okay, uh, will LeBron James ever win another MVP? Great question. 
from whoever asked that? I would say no, because he's going to have Anthony Davis on his team for the rest of his career. You cannot win an MVP right now as LeBron James, the most dominant force we have seen in a very, very long time with Anthony Davis, who's a top five player, because as LeBron has famously said, are you really that valuable? You know who's going to win an MVP? Another one? Steph Curry is going to win another MVP because right now he's the most valuable player to his team. People have uh, MVP fatigue, and for some reason they have a very short leash when it comes to LeBron James. You agree? Uh, I do. Yeah, the voter fatigue. I think I think it has more to do with that. The MVP has become more of who owns the headlines, like who owns the story of who's MVP this season. And LeBron almost never, you know, starts it off like that. Like 2014, I think, was the last time LeBron was like a serious MVP contender. Yeah, it almost has a life of its own, like Heisman voting. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, oh, Devontae Smith is is who we're choosing this year? Okay, it's already preordained. I think it is preordained for Steph Curry at this point. As long as the Warriors keep winning. And they make the playoffs because they should not make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And he's doing the things that he's doing. I think it's his in the bag. And I think voters love them some Steph Curry. They love it. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, Steph Curry finally has a comeback story. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. All right. That's all the time that we have for this league. This league. Please remember to subscribe, to rate, to review. I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you. Whoever is listening, I'm so appreciative that you're listening to this project. It's been a long time coming. We also have some This League merch out, some hoodies, three hoodies. Uh, Two of those are NBA Jam logo inspired, and the other is NBA Final Script. Get that before we get uh, DMCA'd, cease and desisted, because I am sure the NBA is coming after our ass, and they're going to make us take it down. We will see you guys uh, Friday, bright and early. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.